Hello, Luke here from ED. Thank you for choosing to listen to this episode of the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. This is just a quick note to say that in this Green Room episode, you'll hear our very own Matt Mace speaking to the representative of a company which he refers to as Land Securities. Now, trust Matt not to do his research, but it turns out that the company has changed its name from Land Securities to LandSec, something we hadn't quite grasped going into this chat. Matt's currently away on holiday, so rather than trying to impersonate Matt and overdub my voice saying LandSec every time the company name is mentioned, which would just sound a bit weird, I thought I'd give everyone a heads up to say that the company name has now officially changed, so every time you hear Land Securities, just think LandSec. Maybe even play yourself a little game of LandSec Bingo and see how many times it's mentioned. Anyway, let's get back to the episode. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. I'm ED senior reporter Matt Mace, and today I'm taking you back to the green room, the only place where sustainability professionals can relax and remove some of that corporate armour as we get under the skin of the life, passions and beliefs of business leaders. This episode sees the green room move into the world of commercial real estate and the built environment as I visit land securities in London to talk to the senior environment and energy manager, Sarah Beatty. So, let's get started with the green room. For those of you who don't know Land Securities, they sell and manage commercial property in the UK, and even if you aren't familiar with them, I'm sure you're familiar with the Blue Water in Kent, Gun Wharf in Portsmouth, or of course the Walkie Talkie building in London. Um, now Sarah, um, thank you very much for inviting me along today. Thank you, Matt. Um, now you've been um, in some form of environmental manager here for, um, just coming up to 10 years now, I, I believe. Um, that's quite an impressive track record, so thank you. Um, congratulations on that. Um, was this always the kind of job you envisioned yourself getting into? Um, yes, um, sadly maybe, but um, <laughs> yes, it was. It's always been a bit. Of a, uh, it's been a passion from a very early stage. So doing our A levels right through to doing tertiary uh, qualifications such as degrees and masters, following environmental management. And so, so where was that that kind of real passion when you decided that that was that was the area that you study for as well as you know actually pursue it? I think it stems from a, a love of um, my love of activity outdoors. Okay. So really love camping. Um, quite, a, I was quite a sporty child as well. So and also I, um, I had a real uh, want or need to actually go into conservation in marine life. So um, I did toy with the idea of becoming a a dolphin trainer (laughs) from a a program that I used to watch as a child called Flipper. Some of you may remember (laughs) that, may not. Um, But it's just, it was around the conservation and uh, of marine life. Uh, I looked into biodiversity, um, maybe working with the Woodland Trust as well. Um, And just really, as I started to get a better understanding uh, for me to be able to keep my options open um, but still sort of develop where I wanted to go in the field of environment it really meant just trying to ha- get as much experience and knowledge of where that could possibly take okay currently. and um, I mean ten, 10 years in is is the desire still as strong as ever do you ever kind of perhaps wake up on a dreary morning like today and think it would be quite nice to be swimming with the dolphins right now at all well the thing is I mean, 
you know, the field that I work in, environmental management, which is all part of sustainability, I mean, one would hope that it all just becomes second nature. Mm. So is it something now that just becomes part of business as usual or, you know, living life as usual? So there are days when I do think, oh, I would like to try something else. But it probably doesn't last for that long in in the sense of, um, you know, wanting just to leave the current career path and pursue something else, if I'm honest. And I imagine as well the the subject matter, energy, environment and sustainability means that it's it's not exactly... uh, a monotonous job is it it's probably a day-to-day everything's different I suppose yes I mean environmental management sustainability it's quite diverse mm-hmm. um, you can be thinking and managing um, different aspects of that on a day-to-day basis you know from biodiversity through to community employment um, and so it really kind of brings a range of different experiences um, that you can have in one week um, so really, it's it, it's never the same. It's never stagnant, and there's always something that we could be doing better. And I think there's a sort of a real drive and enthusiasm that comes with you know this being fairly new for some, um, and that taking that step forward to make trying to make a difference somewhere. So yeah, it's it's exciting. No two days are ever the same. And um, obviously, we were speaking just before we started the podcast, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that um, we, you know, we're based just outside Victoria Station right now. This yeah. is a kind of new office. You, it's kind of streamlined how how the internal approach has gone. So, how I, I suppose if you could just explain to to our listeners what what's gone on recently at Land Securities, or perhaps internally, you know, moving moving buildings, the reason for it. Yes, so um, we were based um, previously down at Trafalgar Square in a on an office, and the lease for that building um, and I felt it was probably the right time to move into one of our own um, so we're now down here in Victoria um, and it over a course of 12 months um, there was a refurbishment that went on into the fourth floor of one of our buildings and uh, that has gone through an assessment for wealth certification so it's, it's mo- it, it kind of moved the whole principle of the, uh, of the move was around working in a different way in terms of changing culture and the way we do things to support, I suppose, sustainability, for one, um, but just in the general context and just a different approach in how we do things. So, um, yeah, there was refurbishment that went on. Again, Bria, I'm outstanding. Uh, we've achieved through uh, green building certification and also um, we're just currently awaiting uh, to find out the result of our well certification as well. Um, but the beauty's been... Um, we're now working more on a work-based uh, activity approach. So depending on what you're doing will mean whether or not you've got, you know, need a fixed desk or whether it's um, a different type of work area that allows you to collaborate across the business more of internal teams um, and, and really, you know, get to the hearts and grips with, um, you know, trying to do and make good what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And, and how... How, I suppose, frequent are those discussions across um, internal teams? How, how often are you speaking to other departments about uh, an initiative that you're trying to run? What's the kind of holistic aspect of sustainability? I imagine at a company like Land Securities, it's, it's quite embedded in a core strategy. So is there, is there a lot of other departments that are fully aware of what you're doing as well? Absolutely. I mean, conversations happen on a daily basis. And it's uh, as the business starts to really put sustainability, and it has for a while, but starts to put sustainability at uh, it's the real core and heart of what it's doing. Um, those key stakeholders that are involved with 
those um, critical processes that happen, for example, asset management, property management, uh, development, they're all starting to now include sustainability in their day-to-day thinking and really making sure that we're driving forward with trying to be as sustainable really as possible. So do you, do you envision a day where perhaps a company like Land Securities or another forward-thinking company in that aspect doesn't actually have a sustainability department, but it just becomes that norm that you're, you are hoping for? Well, I, I think going back to what I said, you know, uh, the, co- the comment I made earlier on about you know sustainability just becoming everyday part of what we do. Um, I think eventually, yes. Um, I think we're a while off that, but absolutely, because sustainability for me is about just thinking about how we're doing things efficiently, which businesses do anyway, mm-hmm. um, but but with our natural resource head on uh, and with our people head on. Um, so for me, it just becomes part of everyday thinking and it's just getting that change to happen. Okay, and um, I've done this with uh, our green room guests uh, so far. It's just a, a little kind of, I suppose, an icebreaker almost. Um, it is, um, it's essentially like an ink test, as if I okay. were holding up an ink test and you'd say the first thing that comes to your mind. Right. Obviously, that doesn't translate very well on a podcast. No. So instead, I'm just going to um, list a few words or phrases and if you could just, I suppose, just describe your immediate thoughts on them, if that's okay. okay. Yep. Yeah, okay, brilliant. So I'll start with a nice obvious one for land securities, which is science-based targets. Science-based targets is really having the science behind what you're doing really showing the connection between look living proof of what is happening with what we need to do okay and obviously um again for for listeners that aren't aware you know you're you are the first in your sector to have have those approved as well which i'm sure we'll have a chance to come back onto as well because it is you know science-based targets is something we find amongst our readers and our listeners is i think the next big thing for Mm -hmm. for saving is is that that backing up that um, that talk essentially with, yes. with 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 a message. So yeah, a really really key aspect there. Um, moving on to that um, again, quite relevant to land securities. Um, Briam and I suppose green building regulations. Briam, I think there's been a big driver for doing really great design in buildings, and I think it's really helped people to start to get the thinking of what needs to go into buildings. But like with anything. I think certification can possibly end up being tick box mm-hmm. because we go beyond what BRIAM or um, other green building certifications um, look at. Mm. And I think one of the key things there is maybe the holistic view that you need to look at on a building rather than it being just through an assessment and a criteria, as I said, of making sure that there are certain items just ticked off that we don't. I, I vividly remember writing up a, a report, um, well, I say vividly, I can't actually remember who, who the report was by, but it was it was all about um, smart cities and green buildings in those cities and how London was essentially, even though it's a leader in, in that kind of area of green buildings, um, was a bit of risk because it was taking, I suppose, a quantity over quality approach. It was chasing those certifications for all these green buildings rather than focusing on perhaps a select few that, that do what, what land security is trying to do and going to be up and above and beyond that as well. But like, like you said, the um, the frameworks there, I suppose, for, for companies that are less far along on their journey, that's surely a key driver. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, brilliant. Um, so one a little less land security-based, a little bit more you-based. Um, weekends. Weekends. Finding the time to spend with my family. <laughs> um, I've recently got a new puppy 
who has taken over the household um, but I also have a five-year-old so really it is just about just spending as much quality time with them doing things again cycling and trying to fit in as much outdoor activity as possibly can whilst I'm ordering shopping online. <laughs> Fair enough. What kind of puppy, if you don't mind asking? Uh, Shitsu. Oh, okay, very nice. Yeah, we've got, um, we got two spaniels at home, so yeah. very energetic, energetic dogs as well. Dogs, yeah. yes. <laughs> I suppose it's helpful for the outside aspect, though. It's an, it's an excuse almost to, a- to get out of the house. Absolutely. And um, one of the things, we've got a, a country park nearby, and we actually spent last Sunday five hours oh, wow. at the country park. Well, we wouldn't have normally spent five <laughs> hours. It probably would have been a couple of hours. But, um, yeah, it was great. And, it, again, having a purpose to go there, other than um, just getting my son to, to ride his bicycle, um, was really nice. And, you know, got to have lunch and uh, just really spend the day outdoors. Okay. And I suppose the the obvious next um, ink test, I suppose, from Beautiful Outdoors is uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> hmm. Um, I'd rather not say if, <laughs> if that's okay. Um, that's absolutely that's absolutely fine. Um, I completely understand that. Um, um, another personnel, but um, much nicer, I'm sure. Caroline Hill. Caroline Hill has actually been a real fresh breath of air to land securities and it, it just her role in itself has helped to bring aspects of environment energy community uh, and economic development together and to kind of really give some leadership into setting a real defined and clear path of where we need to go to so um yeah having caroline's experience brought into the business has been great uh, and over the last you know, two, three years now that she's been here. Um, I would say we've really, really made a big difference in a short period of time. And um, for those listening who, who aren't aware, uh, Caroline Hill is, is the head of sustainability um, here and she's quite regular at ED events. Um, we speak to her a lot as, as we do with Land Securities and, and yourself. So um, how is that dynamic between you two? Like, how, how often are you in the same room or, or on Skype meetings? How, the constant dialogue, is it, is it always going on? Well, for a start, Caroline and I sit opposite each other. Oh, OK, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and um, you know, the purpose for that is actually because of that interaction mm. um, of environment and energy and that need to be constantly in touch. I mean, like I said, there's no day that's the same and just being able to have that quick face-to-face five-minute chat around something that might need to be done um it's great and what's really nice is that you're allowed to get on and do things and so Caroline works in her sphere I work in mine it crosses over when it needs to but again there's still that freedom then to 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 move around and, and to do to do things yeah okay and and is there any um other area of land security any other department that you wish you had a, a perhaps a bit more um not access to but a bit more chance to speak to on a regular basis at all um i think over the years my personally i have been able to interact with a lot of the other in, uh, departments my role itself at landsec i first came in as environment manager just on the fm arm of landsec mm. which was trillium um, and I looked after development um, for that. And then it moved across onto just retail, so looking after retail and operations. Um, and then it moved on to just doing uh, then development for London and retail. So over that 10 years, I've got to really interact with 
each and every department. I suppose it's more, it's the group services that has in the past had that limited contact mm. but actually um, one of the things that we're working on at the moment is the engagement on sustainability and building capacity within the business and we're starting to work with those group service teams now and um, so it's really coming together and you know making sure that sustainability is is you know woven into the, the nooks and crannies of every aspect of the business and and how do you make um, sustainability resonate I suppose when you first not first meet someone but on the first few times you've met with someone from the procurement department or someone from the financial team how what, what advice would you give to someone who's perhaps struggling to get the sustainability message across to them to, to make that impression that sustainability is a necessity in this day and age well I think sustainability has to be relevant uh, to people's roles and responsibilities so whenever you're preparing to meet somebody it's either doing some background on actually understanding what their key role is and what the purpose is so that when you're engaging in those conversations it's then you can have thought about how sustainability might be relevant to them um, so it's really about doing your background and understanding the key business the core business and then how that all fits together so that when you're talking about things that might need to be done in a different way, um, you can go there with tangible and relevant um, uh, pieces of information that actually sparks in that engagement and gets people to start seeing up and listening. And I, I imagine when, when it first kind of starts, it can perhaps be a bit of a, a one-way street where you're, you're telling them not what needs to happen but you're, in, you're, you're, you're sending that message in the way they understand I imagine you're probably now at a stage now where it's more of a two way street and they're coming back with you know perhaps ideas initiatives information that is completely relevant to you absolutely I mean I think telling or explaining the issue and then allowing them to A un, have an understanding of what that issue might be and then allowing them to approach you with a solution or what they may feel. Um, it's never going to be about me going in there trying to tell somebody else how to do their job in a certain in a certain way. Um, it's going to be, well, this is the issue, and this is how your role plays a part. How do you think that we can, you know, um, achieve an ultimate objective in terms of being more sustainable here? Um, and for me, I always. I suppose we open a conversation with some opening questions around how do you think we can work together on this? So allowing them to come to the table with stuff rather than me telling them how we think it needs to be done. And, and, and as that conversation grows, I mean, you can start then to have that debate as to what the challenges might be in terms of the solution hmm. um, and how we might be getting over those. And um, as that conversation grows, has has the the job around sustainability become easier perhaps easier is the wrong word but um i suppose uh, more easy to to at least commence compared to perhaps 10 years ago when you when you first started here how how has the the business um reaction to sustainability evolved in that time oh absolutely i mean conversations are much easier now than they was um 10 years ago and i think that's just because society in general sustainability it's because it's more there's much more awareness around some of these you know global issues now that then affect countries nationally you know areas um, and regions locally and there's just a much more prominent um, understanding of these issues just in, in general I mean you pick up a newspaper they're all talking about it um, and I think at Lansdowne as well because everyone's starting to really get it they're starting to understand it mm. and that's not because they're being force-fed um, it's it's around people just understanding the issue more 
Um, and then obviously with our senior management commitment and also, you know, grassroots people, you know, there's lots of people in Landsec that come with ideas around how they can do, you know, make better, make things more efficient, more resource efficient. And so you're just really building that engagement and that momentum. Okay. And as you build the case of sustainability, do you find that, um, that there's more work to do in that sense? I mean, you mentioned weekends earlier. How... Uh, do you get to completely switch off from your from your job role as soon as it's like hits hits closing time at five, at five on a Friday or how how does that kind of dynamic work? Um, I don't switch off, no, mm-hmm. but that's a personal choice, right? Okay, because I am quite passionate mm. and just very much um, wanting to make sure that everything is being managed and, and probably I'm a bit of a control freak if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but. I am starting to learn that there are other priorities as well as just, you know, working Monday to Friday. Mm. Um, and yes, I, I have tried now to start to do that, but I don't think I'll ever manage it completely, purely because I am quite passionate and enthusiastic. I mean, I, I love my job. Mm. So um, it's not something where I just think, right, yeah, I can close the computer down and off I go and do other things. I, I do have to sometimes be told, you need to stop that now, get the work head off. <laughs> And put your, um, you know, your, your, your personal family time. And, and do you ever find um, work conversations perhaps slipping into a conversation with family and friends? Perhaps you're like out for, um, perhaps you're out for dinner at all, and you know, does will a friend ever ask you about the hydrogen fuel cells at the walkie-talkie or about the Westgate development in, yeah. in Oxford at all? Um, I not as specific as that, <laughs> but. Um, but definitely I've had conversations. Um, I've had quite heated and passionate oh. conversations um, in the past. But it's that, um, I think it's the understanding. And again, for me, it's it's just trying to educate people to understand that everybody has a role to play. Um, I've, I've had conversations before where, you know, the person I'm discussing things with has said, well, you know, supermarkets need to do more than you know, to avoid having all this packaging and I wouldn't buy the sausages that's wrapped in. And it's like, well, you know, you have a personal choice too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to. Um, and it's just knowing that it's it, it's a systemic thing. It's Sustainability is about tackling issues all over and it, how we're all, you know, sort of cogs in a big piece. It's not just one person that's got to make the change. It's everybody. Mm-hmm. And, every you know, in, in, in decisions uh, and choices that they make in a day-to-day activity whether that's work or life choices i imagine a lot of your your recent work for the last well not for the last few months because it's been approved but um last year or so has been what we mentioned earlier that science-based target aspect of it yes that must have been a, a, a real huge uh, moment for land securities i suppose definitely um uh, tom byrne who works in my team was leading on that okay. um and yes um i mean tom's you know an energy specialist so he's been focusing on that but definitely i mean and again it's 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 about having the science and the facts behind something that really has, has said look you know it's about it's not these nice two nice two targets to have now it's about what is it that's going to really need to be done mm. to achieve the ultimate aim of what we're trying to do here so for us it's trying to reduce co2 emissions of buildings and really understanding that but having something concrete behind it you know having something that's really quite credible um, and again it's based on on fact and what really needs to happen not just what we as a business think we would like to target mm. it's around what our industry and therefore what our role as Landsec plays in that so yep. definitely it's been a real um, you know sort of mover 
And and how how did the target set in? Well, I, I suppose especially for, for emissions, it's still I, I suppose it still lacks a bit of science in areas like water, perhaps. But um, for, for for emissions, now that science is is that proof of concept, and that helps you set the targets. How did those conversations and target settings go beforehand? Um, was there ever a desire to perhaps scale back a few, make them easier to achieve, or was it always a case of we need to set targets before we know how to achieve them? I think previously there has been a bit of, well, look, we know, we know what, what we need to do in terms of energy, in mm. terms of energy management. Energy management is, is quite simple uh, from a point of um, you know, lose, using less energy in the first instance and then trying to be as efficient with the energy that you do need to use and how, how we're going to be doing that. Uh, targets, I think businesses... For us, we've always seen it's a target. It's something that we think is quite stretching. I mm. mean, for us, we've always used, or we have in the past, used Part L as a bit of a measure um, to go beyond any regulation requirements. Okay. Um, so it's given us a focus. I think some some areas of the business have always wanted to believe that it should, we should be setting a, t- a target that is achievable, mm. so in the smart sense. Um, but again, um, targets, and I think targets previously have been more short term. Um, and then, you know, with changing baselines. So for me, having the science based target, which is establishing, you know, your baseline from a certain point in time and having something more long term really gives a real clear direction around what we are working to. And it doesn't necessarily leave open to them changing targets along the way, hmm. if that makes sense. So yeah, so I, always knowing where the starting point or where the end point has been. So I, I imagine there's, um, <clears throat> I imagine there's a temptation amongst some businesses to um, perhaps yeah want to set those achievable goals because it, it's a good story that can be generated from it. But it, it, in my opinion, it sounds like land security has gone the opposite way. They set these lofty, big target emissions, and then those generate the success stories off the back of it, like um, like the uh, the Westgate event in Oxford. Um, Targeted as essentially the greenest shopping centre in in the UK, but how how does that go from a vision to, to becoming reality within the business? What you know, how can you get everyone on board for what is essentially you know a, a national leading uh, project? Well, the aspiration uh, for Oxford to be the greenest um, retail shopping centre in the UK came from the visions from not only Landset, but also because it's a JV with the Crown Estate, but also as well the um, local authority. Mm. So um, again, it's that 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 the power of um, you know three visionaries there wanting coming together to say, look, how do we really make this happen? What is it that? needs to happen in terms of technology use, in terms of getting tenants on board, in terms of what, what are the real key things that need to happen to make that, and more importantly, what does that mean? So defining what the most you know, sort of um, greenish shopping centre in the UK is going to be looking like, because mm. it can be a multiple of things to different people. So for us, it's about establishing what that actually means. So for us, that was very focused around um, carbon emissions. And um, I do believe the design lends itself to it fitting Lansex's um, previous uh, target, which was to define an ultra-low carbon building. And again, at the time of the design, um, we had a target that was to outperform 
the building regulations by 50%. Okay. So for us, that has been achieved through things like embodied carbon as well, um, and also just the um, the choice and design of the M&E that's gone in to the building. Um, and then other things um, as well, such as having a great waste strategy and being able to really think about, okay, understanding waste volumes that are going to be generated through the current proposed tenant mix um, and then being able to source local you know supply chain that can actually help deliver that as well so really was important to make sure we defined what that meant um, and then obviously working towards well, how are we really going to get that off the ground and you know the the, the actual development itself has a 45 point plan sustainability plan okay. that covers um, local employment and community getting people into jobs um, so it's got a real holistic approach that's been taken to that uh, to that uh, development so yeah that comes on um, with PCs at the end of this year so hopefully um, that vision will, will be brought to life oh yeah that's so many it sounds <laughs> like like you said it's holistic it's, it's all encompassing yes. in that aspect so I imagine the, the joint venture with the Crown State the involvement of the council is essential for that um, and I suppose I mean collaboration everyone we always speak to champions important of collaboration but it sounds like in some sectors I suppose like food processors drinks manufacturers that kind of area it's a bit more it's a bit more of a rivalry in that aspect but how can two competing companies or two companies in a similar sphere kind of put down that I suppose commercial aspect of a business and really push for a sustainable you know it might be an initiative it might be a pact it might be a coalition that's generally going to change the way they do business in the long run that's a that's a real mindset change, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, the beauty of sustainability is not everybody has the has the answer. Mm. Um, and sustainability, as I mentioned before, is quite systemic. So it's going to rely on different roles playing different parts and coming to the table um, with expertise and you know area of experience before that the other party may not have. So, and again, it's about thinking how can we do things differently. And because we don't have the answers yet, um, it's about bringing those minds together that, you know, it's almost leaving the egos aside and just coming together and trying to make a difference. I mean, I think there's there's glory for everyone to be had, so um, I don't necessarily see it as big, too big a problem anyway. Okay, and um, just heading back to that, I suppose, the uh, the Oxford one, is, is there a, a, a building or a project or even a, a goal in, in the sustainability agenda that's perhaps almost your pet project, the one that you are most proud of or the one that you're hoping to actually hit the most? Okay, my um, <clears throat> one of the key projects that I've been working on probably for the last two years is biodiversity. Mm, okay. Okay, biodiversity I think always gets a bit of a, uh, a bad deal because it's seen as the um, light green fluffy stuff and protecting <laughs> the animals. Um, I've been working with the Wildlife Trust now, uh, as I said, for two years. And this year, we Landsec um, released a metric around that supports its biodiversity commitment. And I think the problem with biodiversity is that it's so, you know, as a business, we're so far removed from it, yet the value that it actually brings isn't necessarily understood as well but again it's trying to make you know all aspects of sustainability relevant to those businesses and I think that's always been a little bit difficult but now when you see biodiversity green infrastructure and the role that has to play in terms of helping lo- address local issues such as health and well-being um, 
it really is starting to gather momentum now. And for me, I mean, biodiversity, it's the fundamental for life. It's the reason we're here. And if we're not looking after or conserving it, mm. then um, we won't exist. It is essentially the ecosystem that supports life. And But as I said, because everyone's so far removed from it, I mean, people don't really understand that how biodiversity has actually helped us get the concrete in the building. Okay. Standing. So there's a piece of work that I don't want to reveal too much of <laughs> that um, I'm, I'm going to be working on just to try to get that more tangible, okay, and, and build that um, that understanding of how do we get to here? How how has one of our great buildings, mm. you know, got to where it has been? How have we been able to do that because of biodiversity? So that's something I'm working because I think that will be quite a powerful message if you can really link it to, you know what you can physically see and touch okay. would be a great thing to do. And, I mean, using London as a prime example yeah. with the kind of, you mentioned the health and safety aspect of it, with the pollution levels that are around here. Yeah. Is that is that yeah. strengthening the case of, of the biodiversity in that sense? Or? Uh, de- definitely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's it's not, it, you know, biodiversity, green infrastructure can have a role in terms of making sure, you know, helping to create business to be more resilient um, in terms of, sort of climate change effects. Um but not only helping to address local um, healthcare. And I think as a lot more research uh, is publicly reported on how these things can help, then that helps to build that business case and present the, what the value is in terms of why we need to actually maybe focus on that this particular area of environmental management more. Okay. And um, we, we spent a lot of uh, this podcast talking about the growth of land securities in, in the 10 years that you've been here. Um, you mentioned Caroline Hill coming on board, really yeah. helping drive that. Um, I suppose it'd be interesting to see how land security has helped you grow in, in your role. Is there any kind of key skills or key key drivers that you've learned on the way that's really helped your job and, and helped to deliver some of these Definitely. Projects? I mean, I think the sort more softer skill set is um, you need to be able to influence, um, but also as well have those more behavioural skills. So having those conversations... Uh, being able to um, help people to come to decisions um, and land sex through some of the courses, they've been very, very supportive of that. And for me, broadening my softer skill sets, softer skill set in, in, in that department. So, um, yeah, I, I've not only been able to, by, by having the opportunity to work across the business, A, understand an industry that I didn't necessarily understand at all. I mean, I'm, I don't have a real estate background at all, mm-hmm. uh, but I've been able to understand now basics of it um, and also just as I said developing some of those softer skill sets that's, that's needed um, just from whether it's time management priority setting to those softer skill sets around um, you know behaviours that are needed to, to enable what we do to be done successfully um, Lance that helped me uh, supported me through um, some academic learning as well so I, I two years ago now I completed a postgraduate certificate in uh, sustainable business at Cambridge, okay. but that was something that was really, you know, very supported, supported by Landsec. But at the same time, I was then able to apply that when I came back, and I was given the opportunity to do that. So yeah, really, um, really great, really to um, have had the the experience over the last ten years with Landsec. And have you ever felt the, um, have you always felt, I suppose, on top of the the change in pace as sustainability becomes more embedded, as it becomes more mainstream, as it becomes a more day-to-day aspect of the job? Have you ever felt times where perhaps you are not keeping up with, with that pace along the business, if you if you get what I mean there? Is, there? is there times where you've had to really develop your own skills and think, right, I need to, I need to think of a way to implement this 
now and, and what advice would you give to other people in sustainability and energy management to, to be able to keep up with the growing pace of sustainability in, in a modern world? Um, yes, I, there have been, personally for me personally, there have been times when I think God, there are so you know so many of these market trends that seem to appear. Mm. Sometimes I think you have to sort of decipher whether or not that it's just new branding for a new idea, um, or whether it's an old idea just being re- mm. trying to be remarketed. Um, and for me, it's just being quite um, simple. And having common sense, <laughs> just just thinking about you know not trying to take ta- take this and uh, with, with difficulty. I mean, some of this is real for me anyway. Quite basic common sense and logistics around how you would go around just being efficient and, and, and being organised. Hmm. Um, so again, and and just being able to have that willingness to go out there and talk to somebody, not being having that confidence to do that. Um, and that has, for me, that has grown um, over at Landsec and, you know, being given visibility in front of senior management and given the opportunity to show off, you know, some of that expertise that I do have um, has, has added to that skill set part. But again, taking those opportunities, but also trying to find opportunities. 